You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This episode of Great Pets is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This is the Great Pets Radio Show with professional dog trainer Brian Kilcommons and Dr. Jim McKiernan of the Great Bay Animal Hospital. The Great Pets Radio Show. Now, here's Brian and Dr. Jim. Good morning and welcome to Great Pets. I'm Brian Kilcommons. Dr. Jim McKiernan is out for a well-deserved rest. Uh, but you can give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. Today's going to be a pretty interesting show. Um, we have Dr. Carol Feuden on in a couple of minutes, and what we're going to be talking about is relationships uh, with pets and how things have changed uh, from pet loss to how it affects your relationship. You know, when your wife likes the dog better than you, it says something. And talking about relationships, recent article on The Wires... Abby Toll cried as she told a judge she was sorry for taping an 11-pound Shiba Inu to a boyfriend's refrigerator. Um, what she did, she bound the dog's snout and legs before using packing tape to tie Rex upside down on her then-boyfriend's fridge in April of last year. Of course, she was charged with cruelty. There may be a hint for this guy to maybe date somebody else. I'm talking about a bunny burner. Um, you know, and it, it's funny, animals bring out the best and worst in us, and we're going to be talking about that with Dr. Carol Feuden. Uh, there was an article in, uh, about Iraq, and they have squads going out killing dogs. 58,000 so far. Dogs are packing, food supply is up, so they're reproducing. They're not only a health risk, but they're attacking, uh, children. And it's really a shame that that is going on. And in New York City, could New York City be next to ban pets from pet stores? In case you haven't heard, San Francisco really likes animals, so much that they're considering banning the sale of pets in stores. The proposed aim is to curb people from impulsively buying pets only to give them up later, which often results in shelter crowding or euthanasia. The ban would cover the sale of all God's creatures except for fish, because, let's face it, nobody cares about your pet goldfish. Well, people who have goldfish, they care. But... It's going to be an interesting legal battle because, you know, putting pets' rights over business rights. You know, you really can't stop commerce in this country, so it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this shakes out. And, of course, the Humane Society of the United States would rather pets be treated fairly than business owners, according to their statistics. Over 40,000 pets are put into shelters every year, hundreds of which are pet store impulses, buys like hamsters or birds. So... <clears throat> Weigh in on this. Give me a call at 1-888-441-9876. Should we ban pets in pet stores? Should we not allow that? And also, people who make a living selling pets out of pet stores, what about their side of the issue? Do you think this is good? Does this mean chicks also and ducks uh, and everything else that people can buy at this point? And are we establishing responsibility for people to really take care of pets? And is this going to help, or is it just more legislation where it's really not going to impact on it? Anyway, give me a call at 1-888-441-9876. We're going to go to break, and we'll be back with Dr. Carol Feuden. 
you definitely want to listen to this woman. She is a pioneer in the field of the human-animal bond. Give us a call, 1-888-441-9876. Do you like your dog or cat better than your family members? Let us know. We'll be back. Hey, boy, how you doing? (coughs) What am I doing? (coughs) I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. (coughs) No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity. And friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. (coughs) Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here! Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Welcome to Sassy Seniors, a show about our fabulous older dogs and cats. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. You know, I wanted to create a show to really showcase our senior pets. And, you know, as the human population ages and lives longer, of course, so are our wonderful pets. But many of us with aging pets, it's so interesting. We have a tough time realizing or really admitting that they are seniors. So, in a way, I kind of like to think of our senior pets as, as wise puppies. What do you think about that? Be sure to join us for another day of Sassy Seniors. And remember, celebrate your senior pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Brian Cole-Cummins, and my guest is Dr. Carol Feuden, who's a board-certified diplomat in clinical social work. She's regarded as a pioneer in the fields of pet loss counseling, the psychology of veterinary medicine, medical practice, and the human-animal bond. Human-animal bond is uh, interesting, and we're going to be talking about that. Dr. Feuden has been in private practice in New York City since 1971. She began her study and work with the human-animal bond in 1981. This is where we had research on when you pet a dog or cat or you talk to animals, it reduces your heart rate, reduces your blood pressure, and the studies that people who own pets live longer. Dr. Feuden counsels individuals, couples, families, and veterinary hospital staff in all aspects of the human-animal connection. When it works well and when it doesn't. And we're on with Dr. Carol Feuden. Hi, Dr. Feuden. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Good morning to you and your listeners. I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So, you know, 1981, this stuff started coming out on the human-animal bond, Dr. Feuden. What do you you think the changes have been with pets in our culture? You know, I think that there's... um and well, the people that that have always loved animals know this that that it really is a very significant and deep relationship. But culturally, I think, and the San Francisco um, piece that you just talked about about wanting to ban pets from pet shops, yeah, to prevent impulse buying, really reflects where our culture is heading. In that companion animals 
are going to be regarded more and more as family members and relationships and not just property. In many states, they still are regarded as a piece of property, no, no greater or less than a chair. And I think more and more we're going to see that animals are going to be regarded uh, culturally as a very, very significant relationship. People are not being ridiculed the way they used to be, well, as much, um, still goes on a bit, for grieving over the loss of a companion animal. Right, when you lost a dog and you were really distraught, people would go, eh, it's only a dog. It's or, only a dog, get another one. Right, right. it's only a you cat. You can replace it like you can replace a piece of furniture. Right. That that does not happen so much anymore. Do you think it's more, it's accepted more now that people understand that people actually grieve as they would for another uh, a human family member when they lose a pet? Yes, it's accepted much much more, um, and I think that the San Francisco changes about pet shops are reflecting that not just because of impulse buying, it's also thank goodness a shot at the puppy mills, because so many pet shops get their animals. Um, from puppy mills and and illicit catteries and um, well, hopefully this will also help to shut down doc, that that source of supply. Doctor Feudin, you you know me for what decades at this point, and you know how subtle I am. I mean, <laughs> part of this is you know pet stores are open for one reason, and puppy mills continue for one reason. People take out their credit cards and they buy from them. Yes. The, you know, you've seen the news, but you know there have been articles and do, you know documentaries, and people know that these how these animals are being produced. Yet they still continue to buy them. And when do we start putting that responsibility on when somebody goes, "Oh, I saved it from a pet store"? No, you didn't. You satisfied yourself. And because you wanted it now, you continue the cruelty that, you know, puppy mills are. You know, I think it's, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think it's a little more complicated. You know, when, when somebody passes a pet store and they see an animal in the window playing, it sort of, you know, tears at their heart a little bit. Or if they see an animal looking really forlorn, they do think of it as rescuing from a pet store. And inadvertently, I don't think they mean to, but uh, but inadvertently they are keeping the puppy mill cycle going. The pet store is there for one reason: profit motive. Right. You know, if they if they restricted themselves to selling animal supplies and really great at quality animal products, I've got no problem with the pet store. But when they start selling dogs and cats, fish seem to fare a little better. I'm hearing more and more problems with birds from pet stores. Yeah, and small and how, mammals. And how, excuse me? And small mammals, rabbits, and, yeah, hamsters. Small, yes, the small little gerbils and rodents. And yes, you know, I'm hearing more and more about neglect and abuse on those animals. But you know, when you have a profit motive and you've just got to have turnover, those animals are not going to be given. And I'm sure we're going to hear from pet shop owners, but they can't possibly be given what they need in a pet shop, and especially the the resources to get. Well, I, I think we have another problem here now with the internet. Mm. Oh my goodness! I yes. went on. I went online for, and I know the sites to go to, but a client needed a poodle puppy, a standard poodle puppy. So I just wanted to see what would come up. It is frightening what's out there. 
terrifying. You know, and terrifying. there's one organization that I saw that it looks like they're a, a breed club, but they've captured every state in the union. So they use the state's name and then the breed you're looking for and call it the club. And, you know, as far as as I started going down into the site, I'm going, you know, if I'm having a hard time differentiating, if this is a reputable breeder or a backyard breeder or a puppy mill, you know, the consumer doesn't have a chance. They don't have a chance. A lot of them are puppy mills in disguise. They set up websites where they show family shots, and it's warm and it's wonderful, and the puppies are in a room, and and they really turn out to be puppy mills. And there's a place in Brooklyn that uh, I reported to the ASPCA, they had a whole, that if you look in the newspaper and they're, you know, they're saying they've got all these wonderful puppies, there's all, there's all these different ads with slightly different phone numbers. And when you call, they'll tell you it's a reputable, they're all from reputable breeders, it's a reputable home. If you ask to see the parents of the dog, you say, well, you'll have to talk to my wife, call back later. And of course you call back later and there's nobody to talk to. And then finally when I pressed a worker about where are the parents of the dog? He finally said there are no parents, which told me everything, that this was straight out of a puppy mill. Okay. All these animals packed in these little cages, well, and I reported them. I don't know that anything was done. I hope it was. Well, one of the things, if people do go buy a puppy from a puppy mill, the likelihood of bad temperament, disease, or problems, how does that impact on a child? If you, you know, A lot of times families buy dogs for their kids. Or if they're single for themselves. Yes. Have you encountered that where they bought this puppy, like a bulldog puppy from a pet store, and now they're running up thousands of dollars worth of medical bills? Not only that, but it's heartbreaking to see these tiny little animals suffering. They're running up thousands of medical bills. The stores know when they say, well, you can return in 30 days or 60 days, they know that you're going to form an attachment right away. Oh, good. <laughs> and it, that you're not going to be returning that animal. Well, and one, it, one of the ruses that they use is they'll kill it. Well, yes, they will. You know, so so what you're saying is, and this is where I guess the human emotion comes in that people don't always factor in. You bring home a puppy, you have it for a week, you find out that there's something terribly wrong with it. What emotions kick in with people that you found? Well, certainly there, there's a lot of anger and rage at the place where they, where they bought the puppy, or they got the puppy. But there's, there's the loss of hope, and there's despair about the lifetime of many, many years that they were hoping to share with this puppy. If there's children, the heartbreak of the children who are possibly going to have their very first dog, and what a special connection that is for a child. So there, there's there's a, the, the, the pre-grieving process if the animal has something very, very severe. And then if the animal can be saved, it, it still may have to go through a lot to get to a place where its health will be restored to a, to a, to a great degree, if not completely. So there's, you know, you, you start out with lots of hope and joy and, and pleasure and fun and speculation about all the wonderful things you're going to do. And the next thing you know is you've got this, this, this wonderful animal who's fighting for its life. And the grieving is just horrible for people. 
Wow. You know, in addition to the, the great expense that they're going to run up that they might not have anticipated. Do you think people are moving more towards animals for their primary relationship? I think I think a lot of people are. And, um, you know, that I, that all of us come out of our childhoods, none of us without some kind of scars, but particularly for people whose early life or their life with their human relationships have been very, very difficult and very, very painful, or they're living um, alone and they want companionship, um, people are turning to animals more and more. And I say thank God for that, that to, to have an animal companion that does give you a lot of love and joy and bonding and loyalty and something that we as humans, part of our nature is to nurture. Right. To love and, and which, yes, a, which a lot of times people don't really take into account that we have emotions, whether as far as parental emotions and, and the needing to care for something else besides ourselves. Yes. And if you're single, you know, with women and with guys, you know, the, the dog or the cat can actually become a substitute child. Well, you know, we we used to think that it was only substitute child. We're we're now learning for some people that may be true. All right. Um, and in those cases, sometimes it's hard to sort out one's own emotions from what the animal truly needs. If the animal is a substitute child, for other people, that the animal isn't a substitute anything. That they just really want to nurture another being and they celebrate the otherness the fact that 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 animal processes the world a little differently dr we need to go to break will you hold on i sure will great we'll be back you're the great hey love to read but just never seem to have enough time to sit in one place long enough for all of us on the go people audible has the answer best-selling audiobooks for your ipod or mp3 player for Pet Life Radio listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Choose from hundreds of today's bestsellers, including awesome pet books such as Bad Dogs Have More Fun by Marley and the author John Grogan, Love That Cat by Ingrid Newkirk, It's Okay to Miss the Bed on the First Jump, and Other Life Lessons I Learned from Dogs by Seinfeld's John O'Hurley, and many, many more. To download your free audiobook today, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets for your free audiobook. Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
Welcome back. I'm Brian Kilcommons, and we're with Dr. Carol Feuden, who's board-certified diplomat in clinical social work and an expert in the human-animal bond. And we're talking about pets and how they impact on our lives. And we just left off as far as, Dr. Feuden, what you're saying, basically animals give us a connection to the outside world besides ourselves. Yes, they, they certainly can. And for for some people... The connection with the animal is special because it's an animal, not because it's a substitute anything. For some people, other people, sometimes the animal can feel like you're nurturing a child or even um, a spouse, a big protective male dog can sometimes feel like a protective spouse if one wishes and has that need. Um, just to show you how much our culture has has changed and evolved and certainly in the field of psychotherapy when I was first studying in in the late 60s, early 70s we learned that animals were only substitutes for human relationships and that if somebody had an attachment to an animal it was it was pathological or it would least it would least a sublimation for a human relationship and then really studying the field and knowing my own experiences with animals throughout my life as a small child i was a big animal lover um, i knew intuitively that that was wrong and that more and more we started hearing and reading and talking with other therapists and now when somebody goes to a therapist who has has really learned and studied and understood they are not dismissed as totally, you know, when they love an animal and they're grieving about it or they're struggling with some aspect of their relationship with the animal, that it isn't only the fact that it's it, that the animal is a sublimation for a child or a partner, but that there can be tr- intrinsically and healthfully a relationship with the animal because it's an animal. Well, and, and also with dogs, it, it, especially in New York City. You know, you talk to somebody on the street, they're like, what do you want? You know, you have a dog. It's a social icebreaker. It, it's yes, it, it is a complete social icebreaker. Matter of fact, some I have two two Chihuahuas, Charo and the Cisco Kid, who are sitting right here with me as I'm on the radio with you. And we we talk with other dog owners that I run into in the neighborhood all the time. We know the dogs' names of everybody. Yeah. We don't always remember the people's <laughs> names. <laughs> Right, but normally where you would not have that social interaction, dogs help create that. They do. We, they we, do. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you go if, if you go to a doctor's office for human medicine, people are usually sitting around, they're reading magazines and not talking to anybody else. You go to a veterinary office, people are sitting there with their animals. People are talking to each other. They're smiling. They're ooing and eyeing over the animal. It's it's a, a social grease, and I just. Love it. You know, you know my career and the stuff, but one of the things I was doing was a pet therapy program. I was working, I think, for Purina, and we were down in Florida, and we're going into this nursing home, and the nurses came up, and they said, you know, this woman came in three months ago. She has not said a word. She won't talk to the nurses. She won't talk to the doctors, and she won't talk to anybody else. And what floored them and me was we came in with some puppies and I put a puppy in her lap she all of a sudden she looks up she looks at me she looks at the puppy a big smile comes on her face she picks up the puppy and she goes it loves me there's some type of connection that we have with animals 
that is just different than what we have with people. People react differently. Yes. Well, we and our animals don't judge us. Right. They people. don't go, hey, putting on the pounds, huh, hon? Take a bath, please. Right. Yeah. No, they don't. They don't do any of that. But but also because of that, because of the animals' openness and receptivity and 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 wanting to connect with us, we feel very safe to just be and feel whoever we are with an animal. And the story you just told about this depressed woman who was unresponsive to the humans around her. We hear stories like that all the time. Autistic children relating to horses and dolphins and them starting to communicate in sentences and in ways that they never did before. The, 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 the connections are so powerful and impactful. I don't, I don't know that it's well understood why that works with autism, but there's something, and the animals also connect to the autistic children differently. It's truly extraordinary. It's magical. Yes, that there's a saying that if you haven't loved an animal, your heart has never been fully open. Yeah, Roger Karras had a great line about dogs. Dogs don't make our whole lives, but they make our lives whole. Oh, I love that. Which, I love that. Boy, do I miss Roger. Yeah. I, I love that, yes, now, absolutely. Now, with relationships, I mean, I've... In my training career, I've had couples where, I mean, the dog is biting the wife. You know, he loves the dog, refuses to get rid of it, or to do anything to change the dog's behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do you encounter people where the dog is now the primary focus of the couple, and why? It it it, it happens it happens quite a lot. Um, uh, I don't know. Do you recall many years ago, you and I did the Sally Jesse Raphael show together? Yes. About the couples where the wife wasn't allowing the husband to sleep in the bed because that's where she slept with the dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the, yes, this happens a lot, and frequently, what what comes up is that well, there's a couple of things. Either the, it, the wife may have entered the relationship where the husband was already established with the dog and the husband and the dog had a bond and the husband can feel somewhat guilty in trying to change the nature of the bond a little bit and the dog is very protective of him but where the partner whether you know it's male or female does nothing to deal with the animal's aggression what I have frequently found is that there's there's um, deeper problems in the relationship. There's unconscious angers in the relationship, and that the partner who is doing nothing to stop their animal's aggression to the other partner um, is that they're acting out the unconscious anger and and frustration with that partner, letting the dog basically do it for them. So when when a couple comes in with that kind of complaint. Not only do we talk about what's happening with the dog and specific kinds of behaviors to deal with that aggression and training that's needed by people like you to deal with that aggression, but we also talk about, you know, how's your relationship otherwise? And frequently what will come out is that there's tensions and there's unspoken upset in the relationship with each other that the partner that is not doing anything to to help stop the aggression to the other partner is acting out and the partner that's being aggressed upon 
is also having unconscious angers and frustrations with the partner who's got the main attachment to the animal. And they is don't being, feel, yeah, ahead, and is being victimized. Yes, it's absolutely. abuse. Victimized, helpless. They, 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 you know, they probably tried everything they know to get their partner to work with them to stop this. Uh, that it makes the partner turn into a nag, which is a horrible feeling to be turned into a nag. And often they'll come to me because the the partner who's being aggressed upon usually is the one that instigates coming to me. The other partner doesn't usually want to come, but they come along begrudgingly. Right. And then once we get into it, um, when and we start realizing what's really going on in that relationship. Usually it winds up that, that the couple together will go to a trainer and then deal with the what's happening with the animal, who's also very confused because the animal is picking up from the, its primary bond that it isn't so bad for me to be doing what I'm doing to the other partner. And what, what's interesting, what always comes up is, uh, hey, I don't have a problem with the dog. You know, if she was firmer, he wouldn't be like that with her. That's right. <clears throat> so it, it comes across... Again, her being incompetent, and it's funny when I encounter it now. It's you know I'm I'm hired to train the dog and them, but at some point I've had to have certain couples where I turned around and said you know this is beyond my ken, this is beyond dog training, you know this is a relationship problem that needs to be addressed because no matter what I do, these dynamics are not going to change between you. That's right. So, That's absolutely right. <clears throat> yeah, we, you need, we need to address it on bo- both sides of the leash. Um, and when that can be done, the, the, the changes can be really seen miraculous. What are some of the most surprising incidents you've had with people? Anything that you just went either magical? Oh, goodness. Or where it was magical uh, on the impact of the animal? Or on the flip side going... My, my, I've never encountered this before. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, really responsible um, animal stewardship. When a when a when a couple decides, let's say together, to get an animal, if if you know that somebody's not joining a relationship where there's already an animal in the partner's life, that it really requires the kind of discussion that a couple would have in deciding to have a child. Um, are you know are we ready to do this? Are we able to do this? Um, what kind of animal are we looking for? Um, what 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 do we think and feel about training? If somebody's had an animal in childhood, frequently they want to train that animal or work with that animal the way it was raised when they were a child. Uh, you know, the the famous rubbing the puppy's nose in the in the pee. Right. Well, what was interesting when Maria Shriver asked her father about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whether uh-huh. he was going to be a good husband or not, he said, get a puppy. Yes. See what he's yes. like with the puppy. Is he yelling at the puppy? Is he using physical discipline with the puppy? You know, is he not taking care of it, not feeding it, not cooperating? That will tell you what type of father he's going to be. Precisely. So some couples in acquiring a dog find, you know, if they haven't talked about it a lot, can find that they work together very, very well, that their philosophies about di- discipline and setting limits and training are very similar. Some couples, to their shock, 
find out <laughs> that their philosophy are very, very different. Better with a puppy than with a baby. We need to go to break. <laughs> Dr. Fuden, please hold on. We'll be back with Dr. Carol Fuden. We're talking about the human-animal bond and how pets impact our emotions and our relationships. Give us a call, 888-441-9876. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host, Pia Silvani, teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Brian Commons with Great Pets Live, and I'm on with Dr. Carol Fuden, who's a board-certified diplomat in clinical social work. She's also regarded as a pioneer in the fields of pet loss counseling and the psychology of veterinary medical practice. Um, tell me about the veterinary medical practice and the psychology of it. <laughs> well, oh my goodness, there's so much. Um, you know, part part of uh, part of my work there started with recognizing that um, so many people who go to veterinary school are people who love animals and want to help them, and um, and then they go they they go into practice and that they find out that they're well, owned by somebody. The, <laughs> what? <laughs> that they're owned by somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but aside from that, that um, the majority of the work and the majority of their stress doesn't come from the work with the animals, but it comes from the work with the people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And they they need a lot of help in sorting out their own emotions about you know working with people and dealing with you know because people who love their animals and bring them to the doctor especially when they have serious illness are under great stress and um, it's it's emotionally so heart wrenching and if the animal dies and sometimes there's a lot of anger and frustration taken out with the doctor and the staff. 
So my work began with, um, you know, helping the, the doctor and the staff um, understand their own feelings about these situations and, and then how to be more empathic. Do you, do you think to, the vet schools have done a better job of preparing veterinarians for I, grief counseling, yeah, I, or is that something that you've offered them? Uh, well, I think some vet schools have added courses on uh, on empathy and understanding human emotion in these stressful situations because of the people's attachment to their animals and what people feel when that attachment is threatened and how it can how it can be um, displaced on the doctor and the staff or what happens when there's a medical mix up hey I, you know Lou Barman yes very well yes mm-hmm. who, who's a terrific vet in the city and he knew me as a trainer and you know being out there and everything else and I had to put Bo, my Rottweiler, down at five mm-hmm. years old. He had lymphosarcoma, and his quality of life was going down rapidly. And usually, it's secondary disease that kills them. Well, Lou's face was priceless because I was a sobbing mess. It took me twenty minutes to get out of the room. I had just lost my best friend, and I and he did not expect it and or anticipate it from me because he seen me in a very different light. But it was a very emotional time. Mm-hmm. When that happened, and the emotions that come up, and when people lose their pets, it is absolutely heart-wrenching. And I think we're understanding it a little bit better, but as you were saying earlier, it's still not accepted as much? I think certainly veterinarians accept it. Veterinarians feel it themselves. I, I don't know a veterinarian that doesn't have an animal. Um I think in general society there is more and more awareness about uh, the, the legitimacy of that de- the depth of that grief. But also with veterinary medicine, there are a lot of illnesses and diseases that can cause um, emotional distress to the owner, even if they're not imminently life-threatening. There are certain disfiguring diseases. There are certain skin diseases that make the animal, you know, look not so nice. And owners can sometimes feel shame when their animals, you know, you know, their hair's fallen out and they're right. horrible. Right, it looks like they're not caring for the animal. Exactly. Or people are repelled by their animal, which, you know, the animal wants to go and be friendly and the person is absolutely repelled by the animal's condition. And owners feel that and, and it hurts them. And, uh, you know, and there's certain, like, like a diabetic cat or a dog is going to require a certain kind of care and management or an animal whose kidneys are beginning to fail. And there's stresses, emotional stresses on the owner and anticipating the animal's death. But it also requires a lot more monitoring and care, and that also causes a lot more emotional distress for the owner. So in part of my work, um, we also work with the emotions of medical medical management and how to help them, how to help them build a support system that can help them with their animal where they can't always be as available as they want to be. The vet staff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yes, working the vet with the vet and staff. that type of stuff. One question I did want to ask you, Broadway Barks. Why don't you yes. explain what that is and how it went? Yeah, Broadway Barks was yesterday. Um, this has been a once-a-year event uh, on Broadway in Schubert Alley. Um, those of you who know New York City know that there's this very special place called Schubert Alley that is that is that runs like a little alley between where a lot of theaters let out. And it gets closed down. I think this is the 
13th or 14th year. It was started by the wonderful Bernadette Peters, um, who we just adore. Um, uh, she's on the advisory board of an animal adoption group that I'm with. Brian's, Brian is also on that advisory board. And I was started by Bernadette and Mary Tyler Moore. And these two women have the biggest hearts, um, and they wanted to help rescue animals in shelters, especially the kill shelters, where wonderful animals are being put to death for no other crime than there just wasn't enough homes for them, or that their owners, you know, couldn't keep them anymore. Right. So and what, what 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 do you see when you go to Broadway Barks? Well, what what you see is a, um, a lot of the major shelters in the city, including mine, New York Petticare. Uh, we bring uh, we bring a lot of dogs. There are cats as well. Are brought by the, a lot of the shelters in the city, and the animals that are ready to be adopted, they've been checked out by the vet. They're medically doing okay, or if they have a health problem. Uh, everybody's very straight about what the animal will need, and we had a blind dog adopted yesterday. Um, and the, the, all the, a lot of the Broadway stars come out. They help bring the animals to the stage and tell people what who this animal is and a little of the history that they got from the shelter. Um, also, there's raffles where they sign a lot of the Broadway stars, including Bernadette and Mary, will sign things that are raffled off, and all the money from the raffles goes to Broadway Barks, and then Broadway Barks disseminates that money to shelters around New York City to help them. You, you know what's fascinating about this, Dr. Feudin, is that how else can you get all the Broadway stars to take their time to show up for a good cause like this if yes. it wasn't for the pets? Yes. It just and it's because the of their own love of animals that they do this, because they understand just how important animals are and how important animals are to us. And and they do it, and they do it with such joy, and it's been sweltering heat every summer. <laughs> but the people that come out, I, just last year, 250 animals were adopted. Wow. Over, over the 13, 14 years, thousands of animals have gotten adopted, and our shelters are still full. So, you know, it's it's uh, it, it does something, but we need to go further. How many people showed up for the benefit? You know, I don't know what I don't know what the head count is, is but every every year there it looks like there's hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of people. Well, 250 animals getting adopted, you're probably talking about thousands. You know, yeah, we yeah. we need to go to break Dr. Feuden, please hold on and okay. uh, we'll be back with Great Pets Live. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi candid pictures of you and your pet for up-to-date pet friendly events activities and pet related services and products pet planet magazine is your final destination i shall take this magazine home with me back to your home planet no to my condo in boca pet planet magazine check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578 it's out of this world 
Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From speed drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets Live, and we have Karen on the line for Cochico Valley Humane Society. Hey, Karen. Hello. How are you? Good. You? Good. (laughs) So, the blue came in a couple of months ago, right? Yeah. And he was not in great shape. And he was with, what, in the backyard with two other dogs, kind of, yeah. sort of getting kind of nuggied and beaten up. Mm-hmm. So he was fostered, and we just heard from his foster, and he needs to be placed. So tell us about Blue and what type of home you think he'd fit in. Blue um, ideally would be with someone who's not, you know, doesn't work a ton, is home a little more often, and can have a regular routine for him. Um, he does well with other dogs, probably preferably a female for him. Um, older children, if any, but um, he's come a long way, and he's, he's just ready to go. Great. So he could really use a home. I like this dog. With the, everything that he's been through has been really tough, and especially with him being beaten up by other dogs, and he's good with other dogs. He's had some obedience training. Stop by, call Kachiko Valley Humane Society, take a look. He'd be a great companion, and he's looking for somebody to bond to. Absolutely. All righty. Thanks, Karen. So, Cochico Valley has a lot of nice puppies, kittens, dogs, and cats up for adoption. If you have some room in your home and you want to get a new best friend, it's a great place to go. Plus, you're really helping a shelter animal. It makes all the difference in the world. And I like older dogs and older cats. You know, the puppies are very cute, but it's a lot of work. And sometimes, if you're busy, an older dog is going to be a better selection. So, as far as um, selecting a pet that's going to work for your lifestyle... Sometimes an older dog is a better choice. Also, it's a lot less expensive. Puppies need a lot of shots, more food because they're growing, a lot more time in training. With an older dog, usually they can uh, kind of fit in quite nicely. And Blue is one of those dogs. So give Cochico Valley a call, ask about Blue, and see about getting your new best friend. Dr. Feuden. Hi, Brian. Hi. Hi, you guys dropped me. Was it something I said? No, no. Adam dumped you intentionally. <laughs> My right. producer threw a hissy fit, and he goes, watch this. So, I, <laughs> no, he, he, he does a great job. I don't know what happened with the phone. It's okay. You know, we, we all have our moments. We can talk about this for hours and hours. Yes. But from your experience and all the people that you've met, what would you say are the best attributes that people have shown from animals? Having an animal in their life, where before they were one way, and after having an animal, they changed. What do you think that would be as far as describing that? I think, yeah, for some people, they did not realize just how loving and how nurturing 
and how patient they are because animals can have behaviors that can really challenge us. You know, when they, when they eat your best pair of shoes or they're ruining your brand new carpets. Um, but what a lot of people talk about is that, you know, how much they feel their capacity for love that they never knew they had. It really, and yeah, yes, it, it's it's amazing. Quick story: we have about a minute left. I have a client; they have a Maltese. The wife hates the Maltese; will not clean up after them. They get rid of the Maltese because the husband wants to get a Great Dane. She finally says yes. This woman is out on the street in the city, holding a newspaper, cleaning up after the Great Dane. She wouldn't touch the Maltese stuff, but she's in love with the Dane. You know, <laughs> it was just—I was laughing till in tears. Animals add so much to our lives. Enjoy them. Give them love. And Dr. Feuden, thank you so much for being with Great Pets. It was a pleasure, Brian. Hey, we have, have a to great have you day. on again with my uh, co-host, Jim McKiernan. You have a great I day. Love it. And kiss those chihuahuas for me. You've been listening to the Great Pets Radio Show. Join Brian and Dr. Jim next Sunday for more informative pet talk. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.